1: This week's guest decided he would hop on a site called Reddit. Not too long after this, he was considered by many as a fantasy football savant. Then, in very short order, he worked his way into the underbelly of football guys, one of the most popular companies for fantasy football enthusiasts. Now, he reaches the pinnacle of his career, riding shotgun in the DeLorean to tell his fantasy football origin story. This week's guest, Dave Kluge. Welcome to Fantasy Football Origin Stories, where each episode is a journey back in time to explore the unique experiences of some of the coolest and most influential people in the fantasy football industry. I'm your host, Arnie Chapman, also known as the Football History Dude. Now, I love fantasy football, and I want you to come along with me to explore the yesteryear of the Armchair Gridiron. So hop on board my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time as we step up the DeLorean, the date is December 10th, 2023. Yes, 30 p.m. local time. That is, we are in the future. We're in Chicago, Illinois, outside Soldier Field Stadium, celebrating a rousing victory for my Detroit Lions over the Chicago Bears. On to week 15 and to wrap up a playoff berth, we say. Then we play the Vikings two out of the three last weeks of the season and take home the North. Sweet, sweet taste of victory is within our grasp this year. Now, why do we go to the future on this DeLorean trip? I normally go back in time. Well, it's because we're going to way back in time to talk about some Bears memories with this week's guest and ahead of to grip my rib shots in along the way. Speaking of this week's guest, we have Dave Kluge from Football Guys here to share his fantasy football origin story with you. One that, by his own admission, has seen hockey stick growth, and he is certainly very grateful for it. But first, I got to tell you about this gift that I received in the mail. Something called Funky Chunky. I got to review their products. They sent me a bag ahead, had five different flavors in it. Sea Salt Caramel Popcorn, Chip Zell Pop, Nutty Choco Pop, Peanut Butter Cup Popcorn, and the good old-fashioned chocolate-covered pretzels. It was a cool experience because the pack came in this fancy little box. Gotta open it and try it with the whole family, right? Including a couple of our little nephews that were over. The pretzels were the biggest hit, but the Chip Zell Pop was unique. The reason why I call it the Chip Zell Pop is because it was chocolate, white chocolate and dark, I believe it was both, covered with like ruffles types of chips and pretzel sticks. Hoey! that was really good. They were all tasty, in fact. And then I asked the nephews how many thumbs up. They said, well, this is a three year old and a five year old. The three year old says, five thumbs up. And the five said, 1,000 thumbs up. So let's just say we all recommend Funky Chunky over here in the Chapman household. To learn more about this, you can head over to FunkyChunky.com. Now that you're done placing your order, let's strap this seatbelt on, fire up that flux capacitor, and get this baby up to 88 miles per hour with this week's guest, Dave Kluge. Make sure to get you out of here before you're, you're uh, mock draft and everything. Um, one thing I do have to say before we get into the fantasy football portion of the show, uh, I know that you're a Bears guy. I have to get this out of the way. I'm a big Lions fan, so we'll, we'll try to put our differences aside for a little bit there.
0: No worries about that at all. You know, a lot of people I feel like they're just like I I'm not a sports fan that has hate in my heart. Like growing up, I thought Barry Sanders was the most fun player to watch. I loved watching Brett Favre. So like I don't understand it. Like when, when sports fans can like attribute malice and heart or like hatred to their fandom. That's not me. You know, I like good football players and Barry Sanders was great. Beth, Brett Favre was great. You know, my, my, my dad and uncles and cousins and everybody were like livid at me that I could even entertain the idea of liking Brett Favre. But even as I got older, like Aaron Rodgers started playing for the Packers and I was like, how could you be a fan of the game and not enjoy watching this guy play? So don't worry whatsoever
1: (laughs) yeah no I mean I always just mess around because I'm the same way as you even though we joke around with like the guys of you know Packers fans and Bears fans because it seems like I talked to a lot of them for some reason but at the end of the day it's like especially when it comes if you're a fantasy football analyst and you you're talking about those three individuals like how can you not you know appreciate what they can bring to the game and everything like that absolutely so let's start there I mean you kind of you went with an older style gives you a little bit, you said, growing up with the Barry Sanders-Brett Five. So at least we have a little bit of a nail down of when you grew up watching football. But what about your first memory of fantasy football?
0: So first memory of fantasy football, I was uh, I watched my dad playing fantasy football for years as like a little, little kid. And I wanted to be a part of that so badly. Like I, I didn't really understand what was going on, but I would help him. You know, we'd be writing down stats at halftime. This was before the internet days. So, you know, you'd get what you could during the halftime and the post game shows and get as many stats as you could. Um, all of his buddies would call in, um, you know, the, the morning of with their lineups on Sunday morning. And that's how he commissioned the league. And then I believe it was 1998 was the first year that they did it online and they used Yahoo Sports. So then he invited me into the league and that was my first year playing. And I guess they had this unwritten rule when they played fantasy football that you could drop players on their bye weeks and then you got priority to pick them up the following week. Me just, you know, playing as I was as an eight year old kid. I realized, wow, all these players are scoring a lot of points and they're on the waiver wire. So I was picking them all up. Basically, by the end of the season, I had Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Donovan McNabb. My team was absolutely loaded. I ended up taking down the entire league, and then I got kicked out the next league because they said that I cheated. And then I didn't play again for a few years after that. Commissioned my own league when I was 14 years old in high school and um, have just been an addict ever since. <laughs>
1: That's So they waited till the end of the year, though. They're like, hey, this kid isn't following our rules, but we'll let him still play and everything and win the championship.
0: Yeah, and I think, I don't know, it, it was weird in hindsight. I think that they just got upset. That they got you know schooled by an 8-year-old. They had been playing in this league for like 15 years, and then a little 8-year-old shows up and takes them all down. So I think there was a little bit more to it than just thinking that I actually cheated. I think there was some pride that was hurt there, and that, that's really what it came down to.
1: Yeah, what, how long did, was their league? You said it was about 15 years, so we're talking in any, so eighty like 83 around when they started?
0: Yeah, they they had been playing since the mid-80s, since before I was even born.
1: Oh, wow, that's, that's a pretty cool to see that start are they still going i guess i should preface it there
0: so i guess the league still exists but my dad is no longer a part of it my grandpa was actually a part of it though and um he just passed away uh last year so i went back to chicago for that funeral and the entire fantasy football league showed up for my grandpa's funeral and you know it's kept them together that that that's been going you know over 30 something years now at this point my dad's no longer in it but some of the other guys were still were and you know, one of his uh, best friends. I sat down with him, and we talked for about 15 minutes. And they co-managed this league for you know, it got to the point where they just couldn't put their full time and energy into it. So they had co-managed the league for the last decade or so, and it was uh, it was fun getting to tell some some fantasy football tales back and forth with his his old co-manager.
1: Yeah, it is neat, especially because that's been going it was going for so long, and like they have like the whole team come back or the whole league, I should say, come back. And wow, I mean. Sorry to hear about your loss, but the, the camaraderie that that whole 30-year league brought to us is pretty cool to see.
0: And if you want to know, like, how deeply ingrained football is in my family, my grandpa was buried in a Bears jersey, like at his funeral, buried in a Bears jersey. And in his final will and testament, he wanted everybody that showed up to the funeral to be in Bears gear. So, you know, I traveled back for the funeral with, you know, a dark suit and a dark tie, expecting to wear that to the funeral. And then my mom said, oh, you didn't bring Bears gear? That's what grandpa wanted to wear. So I had to run to the store and buy a Bears T-shirt so I could wear it to my grandpa's funeral. <laughs>
1: Wow. I mean, at least you was going back home to Chicago. It wasn't like it was in some random city that doesn't carry it and everything.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It was funny though, just seeing people nonstop all day, you know, and, uh, this, this was out of season, but just seeing people come in, in their bears gear nonstop all day was, was fun.
1: Well, considering that you've now gotten to the point, well, you know, you're not, not of like superstar fame or whatever you want to call it, but did any of those guys like recognize you? Do they follow you at all? Um, you know
0: they they had kind of my mom she doesn't really understand what I'm doing, but she likes to tell everybody <laughs> that you know i'm I'm making it in football and the football industry now, so of course, a lot of people had questions, but only a small handful actually like had heard of football guys and knew what I was doing um it, it, that's always kind of a tough bridge to explain to an older generation that has never played fan- fantasy football before. I try to explain to them what my job is, what my career is, what I do, and they just kind of smile and nod and, oh, yeah, well, good
1: thing you're happy, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's something that – what well, thanks. Okay, I checked off one of those questions that I already was going to ask you about Like what, what what do you say when people ask you what you do? And Because we Matthew Berry and I talked about that a little bit of like when did it go from being you know just what a bunch of nerds that are playing this game to now it's like oh hey he's like a celebrity you know that kind of thing instead of what do you do as opposed to can i get some advice kind of thing Hey, sorry about that folks we had a little technical difficulty with our recording software so we swapped out our mic'd up helmets and got back into the action a little repeat here but good additional context so i left it in thanks for your patience and i hope you enjoyed that commercial break on my end dude i mean like i said we just as long as we get you out of here in time to go whoop on that mock draft that's all that matters so we are recording again and we kind of were at the part where we're talking about like hey you know if you were at let's say maybe a wedding and you tell you know somebody that what you do and like you know somebody that might know what fantasy football is versus maybe somebody else you can kind of maybe somehow start there
0: yeah, so like if I'm talking to somebody who's around my age, a guy that I know is probably into fantasy sports, they get all gung-ho about it. I mean I can't tell you how many times I've been at like weddings and I tell somebody that I'm a fantasy football analyst and nine times out of ten they whip their phone out of their pocket and, oh, look at this dynasty trade that I just made. What do you think about this? Am I paying too much for Garrett Wilson? So there's some people that get like super amped up and excited about it, but for the most part, if there's especially a generational gap – I usually just tell people I'm a writer. They don't ask too many questions then. I I just say, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a writer. I mean that's that's what I like to do at uh you know my my heart and soul uh podcasting and YouTube shows and all that are a great way to to promote my stuff. But at the end of the day, writing is my passion, and that's kind of what I consider myself to be first and foremost.
1: That's something we're going to get into like more of the fantasy football side itself. But you said, okay, writing is my passion and everything. Like nobody at this. Juncture went into school saying, or you know, when I'm growing up, I'm gonna be a fantasy football guy. You know, at our age, but then we kind of fell into it. What What did you think you were gonna be when you grew up?
0: I thought I was gonna be a lawyer. I mean, we're talking like a little little kid. That's what I wanted to be more than anything was a lawyer. I like I could just you know talk anybody's ear off. I love to argue. It just seemed like that was gonna be my passion. And then when I got into school, I realized that there was just a little more work and financial investment that I wanted to do. Um, and I got into sales, and that was something that I never really had a plan for um but I got into sales and turned out I was pretty good at it so about halfway through college I ended up dropping out because I was making great money in sales and um you know I was uh by the time I was 22 years old I was overseeing a bunch of different locations for the uh the spot that I was working at in downtown Chicago I was managing a team of almost 100 people and it was something that just came naturally to me was working in sales and managing teams and then that's when I started doing the fantasy football stuff on the side, just kind of for fun. That was a creative outlet for me. Um, You know, I journal every single day and I've always done some, some fiction writing for fun, but fantasy football was a huge, just creative outlet for me. And I was doing that anonymously on Reddit. And then that's kind of how that all moved forward from there. One day, somebody from fantasy pros reached out because of some articles I had written on Reddit. They offered me a paid job. That was back in 2019. That was the first time that I got a job in the industry. And then from there, it just, just kind of grew. But yeah, growing up, I thought I'd be a lawyer, never saw myself as a salesman, never saw myself as a fantasy football analyst, but here we are.
1: Yeah, let's do that. Just let's jump ahead and go ahead and start with the, the fantasy football origin story. You start, there's your linchpin moment. Okay, you got your, like you said, Reddit. Now take me from the days of Reddit in an outlet to now you're on the most premier fantasy football show you ever be on, fantasy football origin stories.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm actually th- absolutely thrilled to be here. Um, but yeah, the way it all started on Reddit... You know, I, I I didn't really know a lot about the industry. I wasn't a big time consumer. Um, I joke around, even to this day. I'm not a big podcast listener. I love music. Like I love listening to music. If I have free time to put anything in my ears or play anything through the speakers, 99 times out of 100, it's going to end up being music over a podcast. So I had read a few things here and there. You know, hosting the our, our, our um hosting our site on ESPN. You know, obviously, I was reading Eric. Uh, Oh my gosh! I'm drawing a blank. Eric Carabel, Matthew Barry. I was reading their stuff, and then uh, you know, eventually, found my way over to Fantasy Pros. And Mike Taglary, I think, was the one that really ignited a fire under me and made me think, you know, I can do this. This is a lot of fun. And I read his stuff religiously, and I kind of tried to mimic his style a little bit in my writing. Um, like I said, one day, somebody from Fantasy Pros reached out and said, "Hey, you know, you've got some pretty good stuff that you're writing here on Reddit. Would you be?" interested in working at fantasy pros and I knew nothing about the industry. I didn't know the ins and outs. I didn't know anything. So when they asked me that, I just assumed that I was going to be the next Mike Tag Larry, that I'd be writing articles, you know, nonstop every single day, and that would be my full-time job. Well I actually started doing game recaps for NBA and I wasn't getting paid anything for that. And I did that for a few months and then I got promoted to be able to write about Injury updates. So when a player was injured and inactive for the game, I'd write a little blurb on that, and they started giving me 50 cents per blurb for that. And then eventually I made my way through the NBA ranks after covering the Pistons, the Suns, the what other team? The Kings, the Bulls, and the Knicks. So I was covering five teams for an entire NBA season. Then they got me to do MLB coverage. Same thing, 50 cents per blurb. And I was covering the Rangers. I was covering um can't even remember the other teams because I wasn't a huge baseball fan at the time. But, you know, I I figured this is how I'm going to climb through the ranks. So I was working my knuckles to the bone, man, like 25 to 40 hours per week for over a year. And, you know, the money wasn't there, but it was great experience. And it allowed me to rub elbows with tags, who I've mentioned a few times now. We got to be pretty good friends over the years. Uh, you know, I got some mentorship from Dan Harris and Kyle Yates and some of the other guys at Fantasy Pros, and everyone kept telling me there. They were like, if you're trying to make a brand for yourself, if you're trying to make a name for yourself, you need to get on Twitter, and I was so resistant to it. I wanted nothing to do with Twitter. I had Twitter back in the early 2000s and couldn't stand it, and everyone kept twisting my arm, and then it was finally my buddy Adam Koffler, who I was working with over at Fantasy Pros, and we were just the top contributors there Month after month, you look at the the leaderboard of who wrote the most news updates, and it was me and Adam Koffler sitting at the top. And he was the one that finally twisted my arm in December of 2019 to hop on Twitter. And I started tweeting into the abyss from there. You know, linked up with some people that were starting some small up-and-coming websites, um, you know, got to network and meet some people throughout the industry. I started working at the pregame HQ with Elden Ryan, then with Chase Vernon. We started fantasy intervention with Steffi Smalls and Cooter Doodle and Troy King and Jeff Bell, and just had a team of all-stars there during the uh, you know, the the early 2020, you know, the uh the quarantine time when everybody was cooped up at home by themselves. And then from there, I just kind of realized that I had a knack for Twitter and I was just having a lot of fun on Twitter and my following grew quickly. And then by uh, 2021 is when I had linked up with Joe Bryan and I got my website or I got my my job over at Football Guys, which when I was brought on, it wasn't a full-time job. It was very much so like I was doing a fantasy pros, you know, pay per, per article and per show and things like that. And after a while, I just, you know, found uh, a niche there where there was something that needed to be helped with on the back end and somehow turned it into a full-time job and i've been there since 2021 now
1: that's pretty cool how it's uh been such a quick quick little shift you know what i mean like you said 2019 or whatever it was i'm doing reddit and all of a sudden boom now you're again premier show you never you've peaked you might as well log out and go back home but uh it's just a quick little transition to do something that you're very passionate about from the early days i mean i got to imagine okay so i see the bear's helmet behind you and like at what point do you ever think I don't know. Maybe I should rephrase this question, but like you're back at home at the Thanksgiving table, whatever, and just rehashing stories with your dad from the old fantasy football days to now, what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it, it's wild, um, and and I'll be the first to say it. I got unbelievably lucky, and I, I did make some of that luck myself. You know, I worked hard and. I I rubbed elbows with the right people, and I made sure my face was out there. My first year doing podcasts, from the time I did my first podcast until one year later, I was putting myself out there nonstop asking, hey, who needs a guest on their podcast? Who wants to talk football? I did over 500 podcasts in my first 365 days. You can do the math. I was averaging over a podcast a day, and that's just what I wanted to do was get as much exposure and as much reps as possible, and that put me in a position that when the opportunity with Football Guys became available, I was ready for it, but I'll be the first to admit it. You know, I, I did get lucky, and there are people out there that are better analysts than me, and people that work harder than me that just haven't gotten that stroke of luck yet. And it makes me feel guilty sometimes, in a way, for having climbed as quickly as I did in the industry. But I'm just incredibly blessed to be where I am, and now I'm at the point throughout my career where I'm just trying to be a better analyst and trying to provide better insight and better analysis to the people that you know are uh, that, that choose to follow me and listen to me.
1: Now, speaking of listening to you, Folly, we talked about football guys. Let's let's make sure that you tell the listener of the show like what the, the podcast or YouTube channel like where they can find you during the season and right now.
0: So uh right now you're asking at a pretty pretty weird time. Um right <laughs> now you can find all my stuff on the launch pad. But what I would recommend doing is following football guys on Twitter, because uh next week got a pretty big announcement coming that uh mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> beans on the show too much, but uh we'll we'll be doing something really, really fun for this twenty twenty three season.
1: Well, that's going to be cool because by the time this episode releases, you already have launched it, except I do have this thing right here, which you grew up in an era where this thing's going to matter to you, this little DeLorean right here. Um, that's part of the premise of the show. You get to go back in time. We get to go in the future too, you know, and we get to say all the great Scott stuff. So this is going to be maybe transitioning away from like the specific fantasy football, but I'm going to let you take that DeLorean. Um, it's fantasy football, but not your analyst size. You get one, like your one mulligan embarrassing moment, whether it's as an analyst or maybe a player, I did it, whatever it is you get, you get to redo that right now. What is that moment? I can't
0: remember the exact year. I want to say it was 2014. Toby Gerhart. Uh, You know, we're you're, you're a Lions fan. I'm a Bears fan. Toby Gerhardt was the backup in Minnesota and looked great in flashes. And then he got a contract to go play in Jacksonville. And this was before I was an analyst, but I was still in, you know, the league that I commissioned to this day, which still exists. And then a few other leagues with my buddies, Toby Gerhardt, man. He was my ride or die. I drafted that dude in the second and third round of every single football draft that I was in that year. Let me see if I can look it up real quickly because I don't have his numbers off the top of my head. But it was terrible. And to this day, like it is still a running joke in my home league, fantasy football league, that my buddies are like, how in the world did you, the guy who drafted Toby Gerhardt in the second round, end up a fantasy football analyst? But yeah, I'm looking at it. 2014, you know, I thought that he was going to be. The guy in Jacksonville finished the season with 101 attempts, 326 yards, and two <laughs> touchdowns on a fully healthy season. Just absolutely brutal. So if I could have any mulligan, it would be to go back in 2014 and dra- draft anybody instead of Toby Gerhardt.
1: Okay, well we'll do that. We'll give you that mulligan. You can read. I don't know what it's going to change in the future, and if if we have Biff Towers or whatever. But like maybe, how about now? Give me. Amount Rushmore, like your maybe four favorite moments of fantasy football career or analyst or both.
0: So you can see this jersey I've got. You know, you already talked about the uh, Bears helmet over my shoulder, but I've also got a Lamar Jackson jersey back here. Uh, 2019 was a flag plant for me. Same thing the way that a Toby Gerhardt was my ride or die in 2014. Lamar Jackson was my ride or die in 2019. I got that dude in every single fantasy football league. And, we you know, that was the record-setting year where he threw for 36 touchdowns. You know, one of the most efficient passers in the league, rushing for 1,000 yards on top of it he single-handedly won me a ton of money. And that was the year before I really got into fantasy football analysis, but I was writing about it anonymously on Reddit. And I was the guy beating the drum for Lamar Jackson. I got a little bit of notoriety with that one. Um, Another one was uh, uh, the year before. No, it was was the same year, actually. It was Derrick Henry. Um, Derrick Henry had been behind Deion Lewis for years and years and years. And um, I was the guy that said, you know, Derrick Henry is in line for a much bigger workload, and he was sliding into the fourth round that year. And uh, I, I believe that was 2019 was Derrick Henry's breakout year, right? I may be confusing the years, but um, yeah, it was 2019 was the first time that he, he had 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, and he was getting drafted late in drafts that year. So those were two of my better calls. Um, my first year, I'd say, as an analyst, that I made a name for myself with a good call was Debo Samuel going into the 2021 season. This is the first year that I had been full-time in the industry. You know, I had a little bit of following at this point. People were paying attention to what I wanted to do, and everybody was trying to clown me for being all-in on Debo Samuel going into 2019 I was one of the few people on the Fantasy Pros. It was my first year doing the expert consensus rankings. I was one of the few people that had Debo Samuel ranked ahead of Brandon Ayuk. And I've actually had some other people in the industry, you know, people that have been in the industry for a long time, saying they admired the way that I stuck to my guns on Debo Samuel. Just saying, this guy's a great football player. I don't care what the metrics say from the first couple of years. And I'd be lying if I said that I thought he was going to score 21 points per game that year. I mean, I was hoping that Debo Samuel, you know, you could draft him in the eighth or ninth round and plug him in as your wide receiver too. I didn't expect him to be the number three scorer in fantasy football that year, but that was a fun one because I spent the entire offseason just taking bullets from every big name fantasy football analyst out there on my Debo Samuel takes. And then uh, week one, he went out, I think it was like 185 yards. He had a huge touchdown. Brandon Ayuk wasn't even on the field. And uh, I, I got to take my first Big time victory lap with uh with some followers on Twitter. And I said, hey, I'm pretty sure all offseason people were telling me that Brandon Ayuk was the wide receiver one in San Francisco. And that was one of the first times that I got to kind of pat myself on the back as an analyst.
1: <laughs> so it kind of reminds me of um, when Kamara came out as a rookie. I... He was behind what Peterson, Ingram, maybe somebody else even. He was either third or fourth string. I just remember there was a preseason game sitting there watching the NFL replay where you could watch all the games super fast. And I just watched a punt return and I just wrote a note down. I said, this dude faster than everybody or something like that. And I ended up drafting him everywhere, all over the place. And yeah, so he's like, he's one of my like ride or die. Like if I had to get a jersey like that, like Lamar Jackson, but what? Okay. With Debo, you said, yeah, I just watched the guy. He's a good football player. But, like, what really specifically made you beat the jump for him and, like, plant your flag on him that year?
0: So for me, it was that he could do more things with the football in his hand than anybody else could. And at the time, if you looked at his first two years in the league, he was a very low A dot guy. And everyone was saying, you know, he's getting these schemed and manufactured touches and you can't really rely on things like that. And then I saw a handful of plays where he was actually able to win downfield as a much better route runner than I think people accepted. And I saw him making contested catches over some of the premier quarterbacks in the league. And I said, you know, injuries have slowed him down and they haven't really had um, a quarterback that can help get him the ball deeper downfield. And I said, but this guy, he could just be a wide receiver one. Like, he's got that in his skill set. He's one of the best wide receivers out there. And, um, I mean, really, at, at that point, I was a very novice analyst. In hindsight, I probably wouldn't plant my flag on a guy like Debo Samuel right now. But at the time, he had that dog in him. And that's what I saw. And I said it. I mean, one of my tweets that got, you know, ratioed with hundreds of ki- quote tweets was, I think people forget that Debo Samuels got that dog in him. And it was a play of him as a rookie, just running through the entire defense, just breaking tackles, tripping up defenders. And, and that's really what it was for me. Like I said, in hindsight, I'd probably go a little bit deeper with the analysis that I did then. But for me, Debo was just one of my favorite players to watch. And I just wanted him on all of my teams at the time.
1: You know, I mean, he is. You, you brought up how he's got the dog in him. Is he's just a perfect Dan Campbell guy? Like, if he would come to the Lions, he would fit so much uh, into that culture. Him and George Kittle both, when it comes to the. I mean, a lot of the players on the Forty ers and everything, but um. About DeAndre but,
0: Swift last year for Debo Samuel, and that Lions team is going to the Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's not talk about. We'll, we'll talk about the upcoming year. We'll we'll take the DeLorean back when we get to that point. Um. Oh, <laughs> Okay, so over at Football Guys, I mean, we kind of started to allude to it or whatever, but like, I don't know if you want to call it your specialty, your niche, or your superpower. Like, Just in general, as a fantasy analyst, what would you say is your superpower?
0: So I think for me, everything starts with writing. And I talked about that. That's kind of where my passion is. My passion comes from being a writer, and that's also where my analysis kind of starts. You know, I've got my spreadsheets, and I look through all the data and everything, but it's hard for me to formulate, thought out takes and opinions if I'm not doing it through writing so a lot of the times you'll see me where I might be you know in one day I'll tweet about Kyle Pitts three or four times you can bet your bottom dollar that three or four days from then I'm gonna have a Kyle Pitts article coming out and that's what I do is as I'm writing about these players that's kind of where I can formulate my takes and opinions and I share the information that I'm pulling from my articles out on Twitter but I think for me and, and it's tough because I think that's my strongest skill as an analyst is as a writer. Unfortunately, people aren't reading all that much anymore, so I feel like my skill is being wasted, but then that's where it starts is with writing. And then after I write an article, after I formulated those thoughts and opinions, it's so ingrained in my head that I can – start talking right now. You know, I talked about Kyle Pitts as an example. I could rally off all or rattle off all of these Kyle Pitts stats from the article that I wrote. So basically that's where it starts for me. Anything you hear me talking about on a show for the most part, I have already written about in an article. And then I'm just kind of finding a new way to repackage the information that I already dug up from my writing, spitting that out into shows and podcasts and things like that. But for me, I think it's just being able to write and really formulate strong opinions about certain players.
1: No, it makes sense it's like you you're really good at doing the homework essentially and then you know being able to change that into the different medias speaking of forms of media so i know like we've already alluded to the fact you you, you reach your pinnacle on fantasy football origin stories but besides that maybe before the pinnacle what was a interview you had with somebody or you talking to somebody in the industry or being on another show or something where you're like wow this is kind of cool i like i really made it here
0: so i think uh for me uh you know i i'm a bears fan we've talked about that a few times now and uh Tags, whose name I've mentioned a few times here, Um, you know, he really took me under his wing when I was new in the industry. Um, You know, he was a Chicago guy. I was a Chicago guy. We had similar writing styles. We had a very similar view of the game. We even came to a lot of the same conclusions on takes and players. And we just got to be really, really close over the years. Um, And we had done a few shows together where he had come on my show. And we did one that was kind of interview style about his come up in the industry. We did another one that was about fantasy football. Um, But one day I reached out to him and I said, hey, you know, I want to do this show where we just do like a one-off show and we talk about bears and that's going to be it. We're just going to call it the meatball hour. I said, is there anyone else you can think of that might want to be a part of this? Any, any bears fans you can think of? And he said, "Uh, let me think about it and get back to you. And then later on that day, he goes, are you familiar with Adam rank? And I said like NFL networks, Adam rank. And he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, Adam ranks a good buddy of mine. And I think that I could probably get him for sometime next week. So that for me was such a surreal experience getting to sit down with, Mike Taglair, whose content I had been reading for years and years and years, and then Adam Rank, who I'd been watching on TV for years and years and years. And both of those guys being Bears fans, guys that I had kind of emulated a lot of my style after, that was a surreal moment was getting to hang out with Mike Taglair and Adam Rank and just talk about nothing but Bears for an hour straight. That was a that was you know, if if I had to rank every moment throughout my NF or my my fantasy football career thus far, that was the one that will always stand out to me, especially.
1: Yeah, you'll, you'll be able to tell that story for, for ages, too. You know, look back at this and everything. So, OK, let's let's before we move on to the, the, the future question, remind the listener of the show where they can find your work and, uh, you know, how they can get in touch with you if they want to reach out.
0: Yeah, real simple. I just tell everyone nowadays, just follow me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. That's K-L-U-G-E. I tweet out everything, whether it's an article I'm working on, show I'm doing. Like I said, when I'm writing articles, I'm usually giving sneak peeks by tweeting out little stats and whatnot. So that's just what I tell everyone. Follow me at Dave Kluge and you'll see what I'm up to more than anything else. But all of my content. Written and uh, video can be found at Football Guys, but then I also do a lot of guest spots, things like this, which I'll be sure to share from my Twitter page as well. So you can find the majority of my stuff over at Football Guys, but any guest spots or anything like that, you can find on Twitter at Dave Kluge.
1: Uh, so you've only been in the industry a few years. You're, you're like an infant. You're a baby. But let's try to – I mean, you've been around it forever. That's pretty cool because of you know being introduced at such an early age. Let's pretend now you got the DeLorean. you got the keys. You're going five to ten years into the future. What's the difference in fantasy football look like? Whew,
0: that's a good question. The difference in fantasy or football.
1: Or you can rephrase that even by like, what would you like to see changed or maybe added or whatever it might be, you know, technology not withstanding?
0: You know, it's it, it, that's a great question. And it's something that I do think about a lot because I feel like the playing field has already been pretty leveled. Uh, you know, there used to be a huge edge. You could just be the guy that was grinding stats 10 years ago. Getting a huge edge over your guys, you know, uh, in in your fantasy football league just by looking at targets and opportunities and target share and things like that. And now even the casual fantasy football players have learned so much about the game that there aren't huge edges anymore. So it does worry me because realistically, like if you want to win your fantasy football league, this is probably like a trade secret that I probably shouldn't be saying on the show, but the best way to win your fantasy football league is to grab ADP from a high stakes website, follow that ADP. Like it's the Bible in your draft. And you're probably going to end up with the best players on your team. And, you know, at worst, you're going to make it into the playoffs at best. You take down your league. So we plant flags all the time and try to find deficiencies in the market. But at the end of the day, there aren't a lot of edges to be had and there aren't a ton of market deficiencies anymore. You know, we look at Justin Fields, for example, you know, I look back at 2019. I talked about how Lamar Jackson was a huge flag plant of mine, and I made a ton of money drafting Lamar Jackson. Well, I was getting him in the 12th, 13th, 14th round, and because of that, you're not getting those players at those discounts anymore. Last year, Justin Fields, despite a terrible rookie season, was still getting drafted in the 8th round. Anthony Richardson this year, never taking a snap of football, he's getting drafted in the 7th and 8th round. So it's these little edges that we used to be able to get are now gone. You know, Austin Eckler was a guy a few years ago that you could consistently like year after year draft in the fourth and fifth round. And now people have realized, Hey, Austin catches Austin Eckler catches a ton of passes and he gets goal line work. And now he's being ranked where he should be as a top two or a top three running back. So it, it does concern me a little bit because there's this information overload and people know so much about the sport now that I'm not really sure where the future of it is. I think the future of it more than anything is going to be in entertainment and personalities because the information is going to be there for everybody to to, to grab and use, but people are going to want that information to be – um Given to them, you know, in a in a pretty bow with an entertaining ribbon on it. So I think that that's kind of where the fantasy football industry is heading now is more towards entertainment than anything else.
1: Yeah, it's almost like again, you don't want to hear this in the industry because it's like, hey, this is not cool. But like, what? Just imagine if like a nuclear fantasy football wasteland bomb hit and you're in like the fallout video games, and all of a sudden there's no information anymore. The first to get that information in the future that would be that be a new. I'm gonna make that movie maybe one day. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, let's end it with saying uh, anyone interested, maybe not necessarily to be, make it their career, but anyone interested in getting into the fantasy landscape of some sort as an analyst, um, what kind of advice would you give to them?
0: So I think that's something that I'm pretty well suited to give advice in. Um, you know, we talked about it. I, I, I climb quickly in this industry, almost too quickly sometimes or like I said, I feel a little guilty about it at times, but it's not like I did anything that hasn't been done before. There are, I don't even want to say they're unwritten rules because people tweet about them all the time and talk about them. You look at Scott Fish's banner photo on Twitter and it says in black and white print, be kind and be a good person. Or I'm sorry, work hard and be a good person. And that's really what it comes down to. Like I said, you know, I did get lucky with my opportunity. I think I was right place, right time, met Joe Bryant while there was a big boom in the fantasy football industry during 2020. All of these factors played into me getting to where I am now. But at the end of the day I worked my butt off I networked and I met a ton of people and I tried to treat other people with respect and I don't think people realize how often they just completely ruin their chances of ever getting an industry job because they are you know just so infatuated with taking shots at other content creators or trying to clown a bad take and you know, Twitter is your resume. That's something Joe Bryan says all the time. And I've heard that from other decision makers at other hiring companies that the first thing they do when somebody applies for a job is they go to their Twitter. And if you're scrolling through somebody's Twitter and all they're doing is making fun of other people or saying, this takes sucks or this guy's an idiot or why are you following this clown? Guess what? You're not getting that job. I mean, it, it might sound bad, but that's just how it is. People want to work with good people, they want to work with people who respect their colleagues. And if you're able to show that on a public stage, you're going to make better opportunities for yourself. So work hard, be a good person, and when those opportunities do come around, you'll be ready to seize them.
1: Hey, that was a perfect job to the mic moment. You pretty much – it's like almost like you had all that memorized. You've been saying it 58 times before. That was awesome.
0: <laughs> that, I mean, that one kind of came off the cuff a little bit, but – You can tell us really, from the heart, though. Yeah, it's just a lot simpler than I think people – realize you know obviously there's things that you can do to stand out you know if you want to make a model that helps predict something go ahead and do that that's going to give you an opportunity to stand out you know if you're really good at you know making you know video editing and you want to make some real fun creative videos there's so many things you can do to stand out but at the end of the day just work hard and be a good person and the rest will follow
1: there you go find a way to stand out but at the end of the day work hard be a good person and the rest will follow. And I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and don't forget to give Dave some love. You can tag him and let him know you enjoyed the show over on Twitter at Dave Kluge, which is D-A-V-E-K-L-U-G-E. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fantasy Football Origin Stories. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please make sure to mash that little subscribe or follow button on your podcast player of choice, then head over to the website for the show notes and more fantasy football origin stories. That's at FantasyFootballOriginStories.com. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network.